Guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Today I have the awesome man, Brian Bob, one of the most interesting people we have so far. He's, he's a director, writer, uh, director, producer, got an awesome room so far. And in case you don't see, those are uh, movies that he's been a part of in the background. And Brian, thank you so much for being here, man. I know we connected through uh, you know, our mutual friend, Danielle, who's also a coach. And you know, just for everyone, how many kids do you have? What, what are the names? Uh, I've got two kids. Uh, I have a, a, a ninth grader, Noel, and a sixth grader, Daniel. So a girl and a boy. Nice, man. And what would you say is your happiest memory so far being a dad? Wow. Um, that is a good question. To me, it's all the, the little moments, the, the ones you don't expect, but I really get a kick out of it when you're on the journey and, and you're seeing them discover something that they love. Um, so that's happened a number of different times, but just getting to, to see them get, get really engaged in something, and it could be really random, or really, it, it doesn't have to be anything grand, but just to see them uh, come alive, you know, to learn something new, to see a new facet of this, this amazing world that, that lights their fire. I think, I think that's, that's really fun for me to see. Is there, cause you know, they're pretty, you know, they're, they're still young, so they're still learning new things. Is it, is there anything in particular that can, that comes to mind? I guess, you know, my daughter, when she was young, she would like raid the recycle bin and like create these, <laughs> like um just with tape and 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 glue and and uh, you know she would create these almost like a um ski lift type wow. thing you know for her stuffed animals and make these little baskets and move them all around and and um and just to see what she could come up with and create out of junk um wow, was, you know is awesome and then i think with my son like he got really into the Rubik's cube randomly. I hadn't, I can't even remember how it started. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he can now solve it in under 20 seconds and, um, Oh, wow. All different kinds. And, and, uh, I would have never thought in a million years back, you know, when I was a kid giving up on the Rubik's cube that I would have a kid that he would be into it, you know? So it's, I mean, it's silly, different, unique things, but just to see them enjoy that. Um, yeah dude that's a that's just a cool party trick yeah exactly. <laughs> like, dude, you got to do the school talent show uh, yeah, before he's you, like uh he's like will smith in the pursuit of happiness before you know he's gonna get a job that way that's right <laughs> yeah dude that's so awesome man and well hey one question i have is you know what would you say is your proudest moment so far as a dad we spoke about the happiest but i'm curious you as a father like what are you most proud of, of how you've shown up um, throughout the time that they've been, you know, in your life. Hmm. I, I, I guess for, you know, mean for me personally, when I'm proud of myself or proud of them? Um, I would say both. Okay. I mean, I'm kind of a, a pretty intense person. So I, I tend to like the more intense things, but, um, mm -hmm. But seeing them was super proud of, like, for example, my daughter, like, 
when she <laughs> she actually stood up to this teacher at one point in time because she felt like the teacher was being harsh to this student. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was in like third or fourth, I want to maybe third grade or something. But I love the fact that she like stood up to the administration and like essentially went and told on her teacher. (laughs) But I love the fact that she was looking out for, I was just proud of her for looking out for those that were hurting and those that were um, feeling mistreated or or oppressed Mm. at the moment. And so that was a a problem. Yeah. But pretty much anytime they do something really difficult, you know, um, I don't care if they fail or succeed, but I'm always proud of them when they, when they try hard things, um, because that's a skill we all need to learn, um, and develop. And it doesn't, you know, we're, we're going to have to do difficult things. Eventually you may as well learn how to the young, as young as possible and, um, and figure that out. So, yeah, so I'm proud of them for that, you know, when they do stuff that, that they wouldn't ordinarily that's out of their comfort zone that they wouldn't Mm -hmm. normally be drawn to and they engage in any way because they find some purpose in it or some deeper meaning. Yeah, I know it's, um, I've been doing more, you know, more studying myself and like one of the, uh, what is it called? One of the ineffective parenting styles is, you know, the helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. And we saw that like, you know, there, it, there's a lot of teasing about it, but it, there's a truth to, to everything is with uh, like, you know, like millennials and right. they grew up kind of like the, the participation trophy. Uh, kind of thing and that's where it's like yeah like that's helicopter parenting has existed for years but for some reason it just got amplified during that time and it's like I don't want my kid to do anything difficult because I want to protect them right just sets like sets a lot of people up for like oh man like life is not this way (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's not uh, accurate training for the world it just trains people to be inept really um yeah and there's, there's a, like, like with all things, it comes from a place of love, but like, just because right. it does, doesn't mean it is uh, the most effective. So, right, right. I'm curious, what would you say is, you know, maybe not the proudest moment that you've had as an experience as a father so far? Mm. I think probably those moments when I'm feeling rushed or hurried or or have other things that feel urgent where perhaps you'd miss out on a moment you know or perhaps a a cool time of putting your kid to bed or or because it's a quantity plus quality sort of thing like the the quantity leads to the quality Mm -hmm. um and so you can't always schedule when these you know, intimate, unique conversations are going to happen. And so I think when I'm feeling rushed and I, and I um, don't put in the time uh, mm-hmm. or, or perhaps do things to shut down those conversations, um, like talk too much or, <laughs> or not, not listen well, because I'm, I'm hurried and, and wanting to move mm-hmm. through it. Um, so, yeah, so I would say that. And I'm curious because there's such a, like, I'm curious about your experience, you know, with like 
direct, like creating all these movies, like you're in the film industry, there's an enormous amount of like work involved, at least from the little that I know. Mm-hmm. And like my assumption is, and please let me know if I'm just, if this is just an assumption, just an, an, just inaccurate. Like, I'm curious, how do you like, do you travel a lot for the work that you do? Yeah, I tend to, um, it was, it was more so like 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, but there, there can be long chunks of travel, like three months being gone, um, mm-hmm. you know, weeks, weeks apart. Yeah. There, there is a decent amount of, of travel involved, but it tends to be in big bunches. Um, and yeah. then I might be around for a while. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it is, it is the circus as one mentor told me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that concentration of time. Like, okay, like maybe I'm gone for, I don't know, three, three to six weeks at a time or something. That's just me assuming. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm curious, like, how does your parenting, um, style maybe like adjust or pivot or even change during that time period yeah that's probably the most unique part about i guess my role as a parent is is my work and the the travel schedule so i mean in many ways my wife becomes a single mom during those intense shooting times because i'm working 14 hour days um Mm -hmm. you know some people have compared it to like a a military deployment or something um Mm. I, you know, there's, we're, we're doing vastly different things. I'm not trying to compare myself no, to the great work that the military like does. Yeah. But yeah. But the amount of time away and then the, the intensity of the work and the focus it requires um, could be similar. So uh, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a big commitment and thankfully that's where the partnership with my wife really kicks in big time and, you know, she sees the good and the purpose of what I'm going to go do and then steps up. But um, yeah, so those, those are probably the, the things I've had to learn and deal with. And then, I, and then I've also adjusted work and done different roles and to, in order to be around more because I didn't want to be the dad to miss out on the yeah. football season or the, the school play or things like that. So there's a lot of great people in the entertainment industry that really work hard to be there for their kids and they're flying back on the weekends from wherever they are um, mm. to, to not miss out on those things. Some people have like set, set timeframes. Like I won't be apart for them, you know, apart from them for more than three weeks or two weeks. Mm. Like, Cause there's a whole bunch of people that, that travel obviously to go make movies. Um, and so I, I know people, yeah, it's Friday night and we're done and they jump on a plane, maybe from Boston to, to LA and go back and see their family for 12 hours and hop on a plane again, you know? Um, yeah. So they would do that just to get that connection time, but, but yeah, but it's really, you know, with the FaceTimes and the WhatsApps and the things like that in the last five or six years that have, you know, become ubiquitous everywhere that has really helped a lot because you can, much more easily video and video chat and feel more connected while you're at a distance. So those, those have helped a ton rather than when they were first born, it was still in its infancy. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Like even, you know, growing up in the nineties, like we had calling cards, we didn't have cell phones like to call uh, Columbia. Like that's where my dad was. So we would call like, like in that way. Right. And I'm curious, have you seen any of that 
Um, have you seen your kids affected by that? You know, it's not so much absence, but more like, you know, that, that time where you're not there physically. And again, maybe the, they're, they're still pretty young. And then the last five years that has been happening. I'm curious, have you seen any kind of effects or anything from the distance? Or have you seen like not really, if, if anything, to strengthen the relationship? Yeah, I, I guess I, it's tough to know if it's been, I mean, there's always good and bad sides to everything, right? So, yeah. it, but it's hard because I can't go and run the reverse scenario. I don't know how, how bad they're screwed yeah. up. With. But it, it honestly hasn't been, well, with COVID kind of shutting everything down, I've been really around a lot the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I am more into directing, it's really like a, a, an intense period once every two years. So it's really not um, before in my earlier days, I was doing some cinematography work where every time I was going to work, I was leaving. So I was traveling quite a bit more then. but thankfully as the kids were born, I started to make that career shift. And part of the reason was to be able to be around more and to have more control over my schedule and to be able to work from home more in the, in the editing process and in the, uh, in the writing process. So, but yeah, but I, I guess I don't see, uh, I haven't seen huge negative effects because I think we've worked hard to not, I've worked hard not to be an absentee father during those times. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of mentally prepared for it as well. Um, but yeah, but you, there is certainly a distance when you come back and it, it takes a week or two for them to get used to having you around. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, yeah, it definitely, there is a, a, a re-entry uh, process it's a little bit awkward as they're just not used to having to deal with you so yeah and i'm curious because like at the same time like listen danielle connected us because she knows that you're a dad that she admires and that she'd love to hear more about mm -hmm. um so with that like it sounds like even to me like again you tell me during that time when you are there it's like that that bond that relationship is getting so strengthened so that and something maybe there's an understanding there like hey yeah. like dad's gonna be away a little bit for work but i mean he's still gonna connect in this way it's just gonna be a little different for the next few weeks yeah and i think it's helpful in families to share your uh i'm really big on purpose and like why we're doing it and so i think if you can share and and obviously it's great when a husband and wife can unify around a purpose and then they can, when things get hard, you can go back. Well, okay, this is why we're doing it. Right. And so I can go back to that shared purpose, but I think, you know, we often try to um, share those purposes when, when you're leaving so that they, they also are clued into why, why dad's gone for a while and what impact he's trying to make on the world, what good he's trying to do. Uh, how he's trying to express his giftings and talents and, you know, do things to contribute to the world. And then, you know, in a small way, they can, they can take part in that or they know what they're sacrificing for. And I think that's really helpful. Um, and, and even with kids, I think it's a cool paradigm for them to see uh, their parents doing so. And I think, you know, what's cool now too, is that like my daughter, and so they, they can participate in small ways now that they're older in the shoot. So they often come out for a part portion of the time. Um, and, uh, you know, like in this, in one of the last ones, my daughter got to help with the wardrobe department 
and be a little yeah. intern and just go around and do some grunt work, but she just loved it. So there are ways wow. I am fortunate to be able to incorporate them in small ways into my work and, and make it a special time for them. So, yeah. And, and it helps that, you know, like <laughs> the stuff that you do is so cool. Uh, so I was like, yeah, like, I want to see that. Like, oh yeah, my dad, you know, makes movies. I was like, what? Like no one yeah. knows that. Um, and I think that like some of the key takeaways that I'm taking, just in case, you know, someone's, you know, listening to this on the road or something like the big thing is like, look, like we're doing the work that that's helping like in between we have a, we're all about purpose. It's almost like that's a family value. Mm. And I mean, I've noticed this in my own life with my wife and it's like, when we're behind a purpose, when, when they, when everyone knows what we're doing or why we're doing what we're doing, Mm -hmm. like it kind of like, we want to do, we want to be part of something greater than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's where this comes into play. It's like, like now we're doing this for dad's mission. Now we're doing this for mom's mission. Right. And it's just like, everyone's on board and something tells you when you come back home, like, it's like, okay, I'm I'm here to support my wife. (laughs) I'm here to Mm -hmm. support the family. I'm here to show up in that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a great uh, energy source when things get tough to, to draw on, right? It's, you know, it's like, like a, a person training for the Olympics and they don't want to wake up and, and uh, but they have the purpose of trying to get this gold medal, right? So you, so you go out and do the, do the extra sprints or run the hills or, or do the extra weightlifting because you have that that you don't necessarily want to do or that you're not looking forward to, but you have a purpose behind it that helps you make it through the struggle and then make you, makes you stronger in the end. And and it's, 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 it's a teaching moment too. And it's like, Hey, like, look, this is how a family supports a vision. This is how a family supports each other. Like Mm -hmm. here now, when it's your turn, when you have a purpose, when you have a vision for something greater that, that you need us and we're here for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not closer. And I think for, for kids to be able to think in that fashion. Yeah. Like, like my daughter just was in a, a play that was real intense for the whole family for the last week. And that was her purpose. Yeah. That she's expressing these gifts and helping in this, you know, theater community to put on a play for the world to enjoy. And, um, and so, yeah, so we get behind her purpose in that. Right. That's outstanding, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you for illustrating that because you're definitely the first guy who's kind of gone in that direction, hmm. uh, at least on this, on this podcast. And I'm curious for you, a uh, different question. If we were to go back in time and we could do it all over again, what would you do the same? Hmm. I thought you're going to ask the opposite. <laughs> everyone everyone thinks I that. I always get them on their toes. <laughs> what I do the same. Um. I, in regards to parenting, I, yeah, I guess, you know, I've always loved uh, dinner times and bedtime, you know, and making those, those a priority to try to be as present as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's even psychological studies that show the importance of, of dinner time together. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that in your work. Or your and, and you mean dinner time without any TV, right? It's just you guys talking yeah yeah I, th- I probably the average american family just goes and grabs something and sits on the couch and watches it you know tv or has the tv on in the kitchen but yeah well, i'm talking about you're right an intentional focus time with no distractions where you're actually communicating with each other and checking in about 
whatever is going on in everyone's life, you know? Um, but yeah, but they, there was a, I forget who did the study, but I just remember hearing about it, you know, years ago where they were surveying um, all sorts of people who had, who had done well in life, but it came from all these different kinds of backgrounds. And one of the few commonalities that they could find between them is that they all had dinner together with their families. And it could be a single mom and her son, mm-hmm. or it could be a family of six, you know, uh, it could be the, the inner city. It could be the country. Um, you know, it could be in a housing project or in a mansion, you know, like they couldn't, there was people from all different backgrounds, but that was one of the primary commonalities. Um, so I, that, that has always stuck in my head. And, um, so, yeah, so I think I would do that. And, and then certainly we, for better, or for worse, and sometimes not good for our schedules, but we, we have these long extended bedtimes typically that, you know, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, but those have been really sweet times and, uh, where we just get to process the day and, and talk about life and talk about whatever's on their minds. And, um, yeah, so I just, I, I love those conversations and it's, some of them are funny and goofy and some, some are very deep and philosophical, but, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a sweet time. So I would do those things again. Nice, man. And I'm curious, you know, how much of you do you feel that your parenting style is affected by the way that you were raised, the way that your parents raised you? How do you feel? Uh, what, what do you feel like that they did that you are like, you know what, I'm doing this with my kids. I'm doing this with my wife. Um, yeah, the, I, I think obviously most people are probably really impacted by their their parents' parenting style, either, either in a reactionary or, or yeah. incorporative sense. Right. Um, but no, I, my, my parents were uh, very loving and supportive and, and so was fortunate and they, they worked really hard at their parenting and put a lot of effort into it. So that was, I, I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, but yeah, but they, they actually, you know, I didn't know of the study at that time, but, but the dinner time was important and they had this, cool concept of we want to have breakfast together if we can to launch people out into the day. And then we want to have dinner together to, to process the day as everyone returns back, you know, and kind of the send off and then receive model. So I, you know, that, mm-hmm. that I really like in concept. Um, and we do it in a little different way, you know, sometimes with driving the kids to school is different, you know, than breakfast or we, translate that but yeah so there's things like that and you know just a high value on on um getting away together as a family that we've incorporated and having adventures and i think the focus on creating experiences rather than than having stuff and material goods you know i think that's something i've inherited from them as well yeah i think there's something in um it's funny. There's, there's a dad that I spoke to. He's like, like, yeah, sometimes kids don't want, like me, they want you, they want the experience more than they want the thing. Like right. maybe we're just getting them gifts. It's like uh, the five love language. Have you checked that out? Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, all right, like, which, like, what's the love language my kid has? I made yeah. a post about it. Um, 
by the time of this recording, it'd be a couple of months. Um, mm-hmm. but, but like with regards to the five love languages, like which one, and this goes with anyone, like what way do they receive and experience love? I think that's yeah. so cool. Just the memories, um, instead of just physical things. I'm curious on the flip side of that, what is it that you feel you're doing, um, intentionally different than the way that you were raised? Uh, I think I was raised in a bit more um, black and white rules, regimented um, style. Like there was, you know, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do. And I, I feel like that broke down the relationship at times. Um and so I, I'm working hard to have like more open communication and not have, I don't want my kids to have subjects. I feel like they, they can't talk to me about. So I'm just working mm-hmm. on just a lot of acceptance in that. Um, Cause there were certain things that I was, I, don't, I would never talk to my parents about that. Yeah. Um, and I'd love uh, for that to be different. So so yeah, so it's probably along the lines of just communications, and thankfully, I, it helped me have some great, incredible friends that I would go to. But yeah, it just didn't feel that same sort of uh, broad ability mm-hmm. to talk to them about. Um, yeah, I'm curious, what is your approach to that? Because there's, um, I know you know for a lot, there's a there's a gentleman that I was coaching the other day, and he's like, with his like like yeah, there are things that like I want to repair my relationship with my dad and a big reason is because you know there are things that I grew up with that I didn't want to I didn't feel comfortable going to my mom about yeah um and I felt kind of alone and I couldn't talk to anyone about that mm-hmm. and I'm curious like like that's just a comfortability that's a trust thing um and the reason I bring that up is I'm curious like what are you doing to help create that trust help create that environment where like we can talk yeah. about anything that you want there's nothing taboo yeah, I think I think it starts with trying to hold back uh, judgment on 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 things and and showing a lot of curiosity as opposed to uh, as opposed to that judgment or I'm labeling this as good or bad or that behavior is good or bad or this person or your experience and so I I think it's rooted in like a a trust in your, like a lot of parents I see jumping in like to, Oh, you can't do that. Cause this is, you'll get hurt or this will, this will happen to you. Or, you know, don't, don't, don't hang around that person. Cause you know, you'll all these awful things will happen, you know? So I think it's being a parent is rooted, not in fear um, with whatever way you do that, whether it be by spiritual spirituality and, and your faith or, um, just logic or what, you know, find, find some way not to be as, as fearful. And from that, then I think you're more open, you're more curious, you're less judgmental um, because you don't um, have to go save them from all these things. So that, that allows them, I think, and to have more freedom, like, Oh, I can talk this because there's less judgment happening. And then, and I think also just being, in, in addition to that, like bringing up topics first and not being afraid and talk and in some ways talking to your kids like you, 
like you would with their friends. I mean, I don't agree with that. Your kids need to be your best friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that happens, awesome. But, but I think um, around some of the awkward, difficult topics is just kind of making poking fun at it and you know making making no subject taboo and within your family because you've talked about it before. You know. Mm. And what I'm hearing is leaving a room of zero judgment there. And I think to me, it's kind of like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, like we can't like, yeah, we can judge our kids and just making sure that's not at the table. Like even with coaching, one of the principles is we can't influence or help anyone if we are in a place of judgment, whether that's judging them or judging ourselves and creating that environment of zero judgment. Also like, let's just talk. Mm. Let, let, let's not be afraid to talk about some of the hard, maybe uncomfortable, awkward things right? and not be afraid to kind of like, you know, talk to them as if they're um, not our kids. To me, the way I would even see it is like, almost like, yeah, like you're like, we're an equal here. Like it's, I'm talking to another person. I'm not talking to my, my kid. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, th- think about just think of a random hypothetical example it doesn't happen to me personally but like let's say your kid comes home and it's like you know they find a a vaping jewel or something right and Mm -hmm. so you want to or they're they're saying hey you know some of my friends are vaping or you know and i i'm kind of curious about it or whatever so some parents would just freak out say well don't hang around the kids and don't do well how are you ever doing that if i catch you you know doing that you're gonna do that and you know they're, they're doing it, like you said before, out of a loving stance. Like they don't want their Mm -hmm. child to get addicted to the nicotine and to destroy their lungs with unknown chemicals. Right. (laughs) Um, So it's not a, it's not a, um, a bad thing, but if you can uh, step back from the fear and and be more curious and and engage, well, you know, well, what, what makes you uh, so curious about it or what, you know, what about these people or, you know, and you can get into exploring, like, is she just trying to impress them or is there something, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, you can, you can more easily get to the root than just trying to extinguish the, the outer behavior that's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it could be all about conformity or not feeling great about her herself. Right. Yeah. Or, or wanting to be accepted and you're not getting to that root because you're just dealing with the symptom right we'll just make the symptom go away and then then the root will disappear but that doesn't usually happen so ultimately i think yeah you want to be in this place of of huge curiosity where you can walk through it with them so that you can be the person and not their their less wise 14 14 year old friends <laughs> that they'll go to instead of you you know you mm-hmm. you want to stay in the ball game right um, yeah to be able to communicate with them. And that's really the, the win um, is that you're able to process through this with them and they don't have to tackle it alone. I love, and I'm curious, even vice versa. So like, we're not judging them. I'm curious. Cause you know, it's very easy. Like, look, I'm, I'm embarrassed to talk about this or I'm afraid like a parent shouldn't be doing this or a parent shouldn't do this. And now my kid is talking to me about it or it's like, like there's a shame that we have of ourselves when it comes to it. Um, I'm curious if there's been an instant like that for you. And then there's like, like, what did you do to like, all right, like 
I am embarrassed to talk about this. I kind of don't want to admit that I've done this or do this. And like, I want them to know, uh, like at the end of the day, how can I help them even though I'm feeling good? Like what have, has that ever been an experience that you've had? I can't think of any, um, right. I guess I'm not fully grasping yeah. the question, but um, yeah, maybe you could ask in a different way or something. Or I guess like, let's say it's like, um, I don't know. Let's say there's, um, cause on the flip side of that, there's like, well, on the judgment side, it's like, maybe it's like, Hey, like my kid is talking to me about, um, you know, asking questions about sex yeah, and asking about questions about condoms and stuff. And like, all right, well, me as a dad, like, let's say, and again, there's a hypothetical example, like, yeah, well, I don't want them to do that. But at the same time I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And this like maybe something embarrassing happened at, or maybe something I'm not proud of. Like maybe, I don't know, we had, we had to, you know, got a disease or something or, or yeah 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 i think those cautionary tales are interesting and if you you know we i guess our group of close friends as we talk about that we're always wondering like how much do we share about our own past that would make it seem permissible versus what's helpful just to know that they were going through the same thing um so yeah so i think you know you just have to use your wisdom and discretion about what what is helpful there um but there there's there's minefields either way <laughs> like you, oh yeah some, some people have been worried like oh man i don't want to talk about that because it may normalize it or make give give a sense of permission but mm. but yeah but i think you know overall like i heard from some great mentors and friends a while ago like if you do have a stance of being able to share your failures and apologize and you and you have a habit of that um then i think that opens up a lot of vulnerability as well like they know that it goes both ways it's not like my parent who thinks he's perfect that never apologizes for anything or um so i think that's a helpful helpful thing as well that also opens the door for this they're like oh yeah well you know they'll they'll come to me and when they mess up or um I mean, that's a slightly different topic than what we're talking about in terms of bringing up awkward subjects. But for some reason, I was just reminded of the of the power of that when talking about those things. It it, it kind of humanizes you a little bit and um, gives them the model for coming to you with mistakes, you know, because you, yeah, you've modeled it to them. Yeah, and there's something that came up that's I'm very curious to see what your perspective is like. You know, we live in a day and age where a lot of things are just normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like very particularly, I remember it was a few years ago, actually. There's like Victoria's Secret has a store for preteens. Mm. And it's like, and just like seeing the clothes like on the, like on the window pane. And it's like, like, it's almost like normalizing kind of like sex and sexualizing like, like, like introducing that to kids much earlier and you see that with tv yeah, you see yeah. that like a lot of high school draw like high school shows and stuff like it's it's a big thing even drugs i'm curious what is your approach to you know the like culture society is normalizing these things but at the same time it's like all right like like i don't want my kid doing all this stuff yeah yeah you don't want them to get addicted to porn or or to go down some of those roads you want to protect it so i mean the We'll, we'll have to see. My son's still young. We don't know what will happen. But um, but one thing we have done is, is 
as appropriate as we thought. Basically, we introduced it, these concepts and these ways of, of objectifying women and, and showing that it wasn't the ideal thing and the purpose behind it. People are trying to sell sex and, and create ads and, and entice people. Like we started to introduce those concepts at a fairly young age. So again, we're, we're talking about it first and trying to normalize the conversation at a young age. I mean, not, I think there's an age where it's too young, where they're not even ready for those conversations, but for the, you know, for whenever you think it's appropriate to not be afraid to delve into that. And you, you just start in really small bites. Like, well, isn't that a funny picture? What's that girl up there in her bathing suit for? (laughs) Um, Why do, why do you think they do that? You know, just kind of, again, like, having a conversation about it. And um, I, I wonder, does that girl like that? Like that? Or, you know, um, and, you know, she's up there in her PJs or whatever, <laughs> you know, you're trying to put it in their language. But I think that, I think that's just, as you start with those basic things, and then and we've actually had some, some other books that warn people of harmful pictures and stuff, because that's such a huge deal on the internet with these kids being able to be exposed to this whole a world of, of harmful images um, mm-hmm. just to just to create a warning around it and and with the instructions hey come to us if this happens and we'll we'll uh, we'll help you with it um, so I think too that's part of the normalizing process is starting the conversations uh, yeah, probably far, far younger than we we had them yeah and I think there is also like again the man listening to this the person listening to this podcast um, they probably have a radically different walk of life. I know growing up in, um, you know, in, in the town that I grew up in, you know, you know, sex was, it, to me, it was shocking now to understand, but there are people having sex like in middle school. And it's just like certain things are normalized for different areas, of, like different parts of the world. So whatever is normalized in your area, like that's where it's like, there's no cookie cutter approach to this stuff. It's like, okay, maybe I need to have a certain conversation with my kids now about it, mm-hmm. especially, you know, if, if your environment is surrounded by, you know, family members who do condone this stuff, maybe there's a cousin out there. Right. It's right. kind of like, like they're talking about, or maybe there's an aunt and uncle who are pretty, you know, open about this stuff. It's like, it's kind of like, a, like kind of like what you said, like, it's like, like just having that conversation when it's ready. And I think it's just those little things that help, combat the normalization of these or com- like help educate is like like dinner time bedtime like showing that we're present being there it's those family moments where it's like okay i can i'm providing an environment where they can trust and they can communicate and i can also you know communicate some of the stuff that i want them to know because at the end of the day it's like you know we're the ones raising the kids it's either the, us or it's going to be someone else but they're going to be raised somehow yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to get, it's either you or somebody and yeah, they're, they're, they'll have the, the, the conversations or they'll, they'll process it with someone, whether they're friends or, or YouTube or a blog on the internet or a post yeah. or, or, or you, you know, or, or, or a mentor or something that is ideal. So, yeah, I think that's one of my wife and I's hope is that we can, we can be in having those conversations with them and help them process these things. Or like you're saying, it's a good question. Like what, what sets you up to do that? Um, 
and and to create that environment but yeah. yeah dude cool stuff and i'm curious for the dad who you know travels for work the dad who's who who, who loves his kid he's he's super present but he's got to go maybe he's you know schedule like yours maybe he is in the military maybe he's you know traveling salesman or something yeah there's a lot of like management consultants gone every week you know yeah what is some advice that you have for him man uh i guess i i probably have more advice or thoughts about the marriage side than the than the kids um because the kids just i think it it i can get pretty focused so i think but and other dads are way better at this than i like you know there's these these regular check-ins and you know when you're gone i think is really helpful for the kids and so they um just you're staying updated on their lives that's kind of pretty obvious so i don't know that there's anything terribly unique um about that but going back to um because I think the your your partner or spouse is so important when you do those things and and when you take those trips that again I think if you can make the decision together to do it to enter into this job or to you know to enter into the military like if as much of the as you can have a shared ownership of that role again going back to the to the purpose thing i think that is probably one of the most revolutionary things that that helps like if i go to my wife and say hey you can veto this job i think i, I want to do it but i'll do whatever you want to do um this has to be good for both of us uh i think when you do that that, that creates a good environment for things to succeed when you're gone because it's not like, oh, he ran off and did what he wanted to do when, mm-hmm. when your spouse has a, has a say in it, um, whether the, the husband or wife is, is a leaving and going, you know, then, then it just helps to have that shared ownership. And I think that's been the most revolutionary thing with these long travel stints. Mm. And what is a piece of advice that you have for the dad who you know, maybe him and his wife separated or him and the, the, you know, the child's mother aren't together and maybe he lives in another state. Maybe he lives in another city mm-hmm. or even a country. What is some advice that you have for him? Wow. That, yeah, that's, that's much more difficult and more complicated. Um, and it's not as, you know, just cause I haven't experienced it. I don't know that I have a whole whole lot of advice they, they, they may be better <laughs> I, I should be asking them advice for when i'm gone because they're they're living it more so yeah i guess i don't feel qualified to really mm-hmm. speak into that but um you know I, it all does like if i don't know if you ever read like m scott peck's the road less traveled book from long ago i kind of a classic mm-hmm. psychology book but i mean that was really fascinating when i read it long ago that like love is a choice and it's an action and it's a, it's a decision more than a feeling. And so with that, I think when you're gone, you just have to make that decision daily. Okay. What do I need to do to care about them? And, you know, it may suck that I'm at a distance, but what, what can I do? What's in my control? And just to keep that focus. Cause I know 
everyone's a little bit different, but when I'm away, I can lose that focus and get drawn into the busyness of whatever I'm doing. So I think it's just having that discipline to, to mm -hmm. take those little actions of the, of love, you know, that whatever that is for your, your child that you're, you're continually trying to do that, you know, despite the distance. I love that. And what is a piece of advice that you have for a new dad or maybe a dad who's uh, expecting? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, there, I, I guess to just be as present as you can and enjoy every stage is, has such amazing things about it. Um, so you're continually uh, amazed by the new stage you're in and perhaps missing some of the old. And so, um, the number one thing you'll hear from most parents is how fast it goes. So just the, to enjoy and savor the, the different stages, cause they happen pretty quickly, you know, when, at, when, you're, when looking back on them, um, and they, and they change pretty rapidly, um, so I would hate for fathers to, um, yeah, just not be fully present in any of those stages because each one of them is beautiful in its own way. And this question isn't for me. This question isn't for any dads in particular. This is for your two kids. What is something that you want to tell each of them, whether you've told it to them already or you haven't told it to them yet? I probably told them too much stuff already. They may be sick of hearing me, but I just want to set them up well to, to go use their talents in, in the world to, to bless other people and to make an impact in the world, however big or small that is, you know, um, for them to be able. So I just, my hope for them is to, to, that I launch them well and that I prepare them to go, to go be their very best. Um, but I think that, you know, so I, I just always tell them, you know, go do your best and, and be a good friend. So, <laughs> um, so that's probably what I'd keep telling them. Cause I think, you know, if you keep striving to be the best you can be, good things will happen. And if you engage in relationships and are a good friend and are caring about your, your fellow human, you know, that that will bring you lots of joy. So I think I'd just keep shouting that at him. Brian, dude, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. There's so much that I've gotten uh, taken away from and dude thank you man thank you awesome yeah well thanks for having me it's fun to talk about this it's you great got it, man it's great that you're doing this and, and helping fathers because it's one of the hardest things to do well in the world hey we all have a place this is my purpose so thank <laughs> you for for joining my team on this purpose and, and sharing your wisdom man yeah well it's a great one so keep at it Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. And if you got anything out of it today, feel free to leave a review and share your thoughts about what this episode has meant to you, what this podcast has meant to you. It's I'm really excited about what's being created out of these conversations. And no matter where you are in the world, no matter what 
walk of life that you have. Just know that I believe in you. We believe in you. You're not alone. We got your back and thank you so much for tuning in and see you next week.